We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. As it seems to be every single time we're not recording in our normal situations, there's tech problems. But it's the 4th of July, Scott. What's up? Happy birthday to the to the late great John Stein, John Stein John Steinbrenner George Steinbrenner and John Sterling, the two American heroes, two Yankee heroes, uh, obviously had to be born on the Fourth of July. Also, the birthday of America. It just makes sense. So, happy Fourth of July! Hope everybody is uh, having a great day with friends, family, and being safe. Um, no Yankee baseball. It's a very, very much, very much a strange, uh, a strange situation with no Yankees baseball today. To be honest, it is. Yeah, I, I, the schedule makers, as we've discussed a number of times this year, seem to seem to did do some weird things this time around. Um, I know the lockout affected things, but they weren't going to be playing on Fourth of July regardless of a lockout. So no excuses there. Yeah, it feels un-American and, to not have the Yankees play on the Fourth of July. To be very honest, it feels un-American. Feels on, you know, yeah. this is this is this is one of those, one of those things that needs to happen every single year. Every single year, the Yankees should be playing on the Fourth of July. 
Well, what do you what do you have planned for the Fourth of July? You're just driving home, right? So, like, exactly. I guess you were going to be watching in the car as you were driving. No, I don't do that. I would never do that. I am never. Um, I've had an extended weekend in Bethany Beach, Delaware, with uh, with my mother and uh, and my sister and the kids and all that. So we've had a lot of fun, a lot of good cousin time. But no, yeah, usually you know when the Fourth is, if it's on a Monday or any holiday, it's on a Monday. I'm usually traveling somewhere back to where I. Back to where I live, but that's okay. Fireworks tonight, that's happening still, right? Fireworks are still going to be uh, going off. And I would listen to John Sterling, which I know he's not currently in the booth, but that's what I would thats what I would like to do on the 4th of July is listen to John Sterling call the Yankee game. I just, I don't know if, so you mentioned fireworks. I don't know if this was like a fever dream I had last night, but people around, around here, because I'm at the beach as well, we're setting off fireworks like around nine o'clock last night once the sun was fully down. And then about like 1230, one o'clock in the morning, I just heard like three loud firework bangs. Yeah. Like it sounded like from next door. And I mean, I was asleep at that point. I didn't even bother looking out the window. I was just hoping and praying that the thing didn't wake up Harrison and we have a crying baby on our hands. But I, I have to ask Leanne if that was actually a, a, a real thing that happened or if I just maybe had one too many beers yesterday and, and, and dreamt that. No, that's what happens every single, you know, the 4th of July weekend. It, you get the you get the stragglers who you forget about a couple uh, a couple fireworks that were in the box that you didn't set Spark off and you get hammered. And then you go out and obviously set fireworks off while hammered on the beach. It makes a lot obviously. of sense. Yeah. Obviously. It's 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 now illegal in Rhode Island. Didn't stop anybody. <laughs> Did not no. stop. If anything, if anything, it, they were like challenge accepted. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when when they make it illegal, do you think that do you think that like the cops want to go around and shut them all down? No, they don't. They don't yeah. want to do that. They're yeah. they're very much uh, just you know look the other way. Well. I guess we have to talk about the Yankees, right? And they finished June 22 and 6. The the dreaded tough June that we alluded to all month. 22 and 6 in that month. I guess that's pretty good. It's crazy because when you when you think back in the month of June, uh because the season has gone so well, I do feel like the record was worse than that. But it's not. They just every time every time they go in, into a series, they end up with a a win in the series it seems like, and they just keep marching along. But no, the, the the month, the dreaded month that they, that they actually came to and and uh, and stood up to the test. I'm very proud of the guys, and they and they worked around some uh, some some issues too. They definitely worked around some starting pitching pitching issues, uh, and still came out with yep. a 22 and six record. That's ridiculous. I think you're right. It didn't feel like a 22 and six month is a dominant month, no matter no matter what, and it didn't feel like a dominant month. I think for a couple of reasons. You alluded to the starting pitching struggle a lot more. We dissected that on the last episode where the Yankees ERA, pretty much since the Twins series as, as a staff, was in the fours, right? So it didn't feel the same on the starting pitching front. But they also had a lot of offensive troubles, not just being no hit by the Astros for a game and a half, but just the offense overall was not as consistent in the month of June as it was in the first two months of the year. But they still went 22-6. and six. So... What's the takeaway there? That this team just any way and any any way is going to figure it out. I mean, I think Boone alluded to that in uh, in his. I, mean, I think I read a quote of his after Game One of the doubleheader on Saturday against Cleveland, where he just talked about how this team is so resilient. Um, another good stat that I saw is that they're six and one in their last seven games following a loss, 
and that they have the fewest consecutive losses in the league. They've only lost back-to-back games four times all year, which is the fewest in baseball. So it's that resiliency that, that Boone talked about after that game one of the doubleheader, after losing a tough game in Houston and then a rainout, that even though that I think from you know our eye test probably is why you said, yeah, it didn't feel like a 22 and six month, but it, but they just keep winning. Well, I I think also because of uh, the Houston series and then the you know the Houston loss on uh, on Thursday as well. You, what have you done for me lately? And and some of those those games because they were so uh, they were there, there was more tension in those games than you know any game this season probably, and it so it feels different when you're when you're thinking back at. But when you when you talk about the the resiliency of the team and the reason how they can overcome like this and the fact that they they don't go in these long losing streaks. It goes back to two things. Balance balance in the lineup, and I know that they've had some offensive struggles, but not very many, you know, a few here and there. But balance in the lineup, I think, has been uh, one reason. And then obviously the starting pitching and the the relievers. The pitching staff has been ridiculous. Um, but I do think that because of this balance now, you're seeing you're seeing the what what's possible. You know, when when you get guys going right, uh this this is gonna be a very I think in October, this is going to be a very tough lineup. And who knows what they add at the deadline as well. But this is going to be a very tough uh, tough lineup to go through, even for top flight starting pitchers. And I know you know, when we face them, um, obviously it, the results aren't as good as you would think, as you should expect. But this is going to be a tough out. This, this, this team is definitely built uh, to go deep. They really are. Yeah, because the Houston starting pitching in five games that they've played them has absolutely shut them down. The Yankees have only scored five runs in 33 innings against Houston starters this year. But they won two of the games that they played so far. And they were basically in every game, aside from the no-hitter. Uh, even that was, you know, a close game. <laughs> had had you gotten a walk or something late, then you, then you maybe get like the tying run to the plate and, and stuff like that. But every game has been close. The offense seems to have a chance. You you never feel like they're just give up in the last three innings. Like we've like, I feel like has been a narrative the last couple of years is that if they're down in the seventh, it's like yeah, this team isn't coming back. I don't feel that way anymore. But but the numbers overall this month were, were not great aside from you'd see these outbursts in in and even short outbursts in like single innings where they'd have they they'd score in bunches and then they'd go quiet again. Right, but the the thing that that gets when I look back at the Houston series specifically the and I'm including the the four game set that happened uh you know week before last as well. But when you look at the games that they lost, you know, 3 to 1, 3 to 0 and then on Thursday 2 to 1. Like these are these are low scoring games. These are games like you said they're yeah. they're involved in they very much have the ability to come back. And even if they haven't gotten the starting pitchers, they haven't gotten to those guys yet. This this reminds me of old Yankees teams where they wear you down, wear you down, work the count, get the get the pitcher into a situation where, you know, pitch count becomes part of the the game narrative and now you got to go to your bullpen maybe a little early and they just wear you down and wait you out until you get to the opportunity where they can strike because this offense has the ability to put up a lot of run uh, a lot of runs in in bunches through the home run ball but also because they can spray uh, around the field. So that's why that's what gives me so much confidence because of their team pitching overall their bullpen is, you know, as is Houston. I mean, Houston has a great bullpen as well. Um, but the Yankees' offense, I think, is just a little bit more balanced, a little bit more prolific, and has the ability to strike late. And uh, the pitching keeps you in the game. And to me, like that, those are two massive 
massive um, attributes of a team that I'm looking for uh, when I think about how you can make a deep run. If you could stay in a game and if you could strike late and keep you know, a lot of run prevention, which is something that they prioritize in the offseason and it has worked out very well for them, um, it's, it's just, it's good. It's a good makeup. The ironic thing is in the going back to the four game series with Houston at Yankee Stadium, Houston came into that series with the best bullpen ERA in right. the league. And the Yankees scored off of the bullpen. They didn't score off of the starters. They they got to the bullpen twice. And and that was that was sort of the ironic thing about it. Like, yeah, I, the Houston starters, uh, Verlander's obviously the household name there, and he's having a, a renaissance season. But they had been also struggling. Um, Urquidy, or, or, or or I can never pronounce his name. He had come into that start uh, against the Yankees, like having terrible, terrible numbers the whole month. And he and he took no hitter deep into the game against them. So you, you're not concerned at all with with the the performance against some of these starting pitching, starting pitchers from the offense. I, I wouldn't call it concern. No, I think that you know because I mean, you could look at uh, yesterday's start as well against Cleveland. Tristan McKenzie came in and had a a pretty terrible. Uh, a pretty terrible set before he got to this game and then shut yeah. them down. Uh, so one. you could look at, look at these. Yeah. So I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not concerned. No. I mean, yeah, we're looking at these and, 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 uh, and hopefully they can improve, but it's not a concern by any means. Again, 22 and six, it's tough to get concerned about those, especially right now. If they, if this starts happening though, but, but if this happens in, in like in August, in September, if they're not able to, to get this offense clicking, I think at that point, um, against some of these uh, some of these pitchers, then yeah, there's a little bit more of a of a concern level, but I don't think so. I think that this team is is just prepping, getting ready. <laughs> they're prepping for October. That's in, it, right now, early July, right now. Yeah, yeah, they're prepping for October right now. Got it. So, so the part of the plan was one hit off of Tristan McKenzie, who weighs negative three pounds. He weighs yeah. But you know what's funny about him is that they were talking about this in the broadcast. He's on my fantasy team, so I've been paying close attention to his stats all season as long as well. But he gives up the home run ball, doesn't put a lot of uh, guys on base. Uh, but he's got you know some blow up starts. But when when he's on, he's got nasty stuff. And you saw some of it. Uh, yes, he was he was definitely he, he was definitely around the strike zone um, and and making guys miss. He they were not comfortable there against him. What is he? Is he listed at like six four, six five, and like hundred and sixty pounds? <laughs> I don't know what he's unhealthy. He's this is an uh, unhealthy he's gentleman pitching. That's not true because if you saw him in 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 like a different, if you saw him in uh, in like street clothes, you'd be like, all right. If you saw him in a a basketball uniform, you'd be like, okay. There's he's just a he's a he's a finely tuned athlete, is what he is. He, hundred and sixty pounds for six. He's not hundred and sixty pounds. You just made that up. No, I think that's what he. That's what that's what they said on the broadcast. There's no way. I think it was like 160 pounds. Okay, can we look this up, Logan, please? Logan? Can you can you look that up? Uh, yeah, I have it. He's six five and 165. <laughs> oh pounds my god! Yeah, 165 and, and pounds. Baseball reference. Uh, and and baseball references. You know those numbers are probably inflated by at least five or ten pounds. <laughs> okay, that he's skin and bones. That's a bit much. 165 at six five. That's crazy. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's unhealthy. Man, I mean, it's but, it's clearly but working. I guess he's he's lanky. He's lanky. Leverage. He's got that. He's Leverage. got that whip action. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. One of the, the it's always a tough spot, right? You sweep the doubleheader, and then you're 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 in technically, you know, a getaway day on a Sunday on a holiday weekend. I guess that's a tough spot. But 
they just looked like absolutely uh, dead tired on Sunday. Like not nothing, nothing from the offense. And Montgomery was good uh, against the Guardians. Uh, there was something interesting we were talking about with Logan beforehand. Uh, as Logan was, I'm not going to blow you up, but you're, you're kind of mocking Susan and what she was talking about on, on the broadcast and how she likes to repeat herself about how Montgomery was searching for his uh, his stuff on the mound. And I, I feel like that's a, a common thread with Monty in a lot of starts is is he always seems to be searching, but he, I don't even say he always finds it, but he's never, he he, he doesn't have many blow-up starts where, It's just he's completely lost with nothing on the mound. So if he goes into a start looking, okay, what's going to be working today? Is my slider going to be working? Is my curveball going to be working? Am I going to throw fastballs up in the zone? I guess that's just his approach, and and he sort of wings it, and it's working. I mean, even his last start before this one, he had a terrible terrible start, uh, start of the start, beginning of the start. And then settled in. So he he had the blow right. up. It happened, but then but then it was they the stayed one inning with though. Him. It was only one inning. That's right. it. But he you, gave up all the runs in one inning against Oakland. Stayed with him. Stayed with him because understanding that that Monty will find it and figure it out. And if he can hold the team, even if they score what how many was it six runs something like that, they uh, the Yankees can you know fight back into the game. So. Yeah, he does. He searches things. Uh, Logan was talking about this right beforehand. He, he even talks about that. When he's going out to the mound or when he's going out to his bullpen session before he starts on the mound, he's looking. What feels good today? What's the what's the, um, what's the the go-to today? What feels good out of my hand? What doesn't feel good out of my hand? And then as the, you know, he's, a, he's one of these guys that has a, a bunch of different pitches who can manipulate the ball in different ways and, and can make adjustments. And that's why I think that you see him able to go deeper into games because even in game, He's made, able to make these adjustments and and you know uh, make them based off of not only what he's feeling today but what he's seeing in uh, in the in the batters and the lineups and obviously the the coaching staff is is walking him through that too but he's got the ability to make those adjustments and then execute them. Right. Yeah, the pitching was great in the Guardian series. Both Cole and Cortez in the doubleheader were really good. Cortez needed a bounce back start and he got it. He retired thirteen batters in a row at one point. And and Cole gave up a couple home runs, but otherwise he he was good. I was looking up Cole numbers, so he's allowed 1.4 homers per nine this season, and it's a slightly up from last year at 1.2. Uh, and I don't know if that's it. they were both solo home runs. That's the cliche, right? Solo home runs don't kill you, but he does give up a lot of bombs. And maybe the Minnesota start skewed things because he had five home runs in the in the twin start. I think it did. I mean, he's always given up home runs, even you know when he has when he was at w- with Houston, he was among the the league leaders in home runs given up. So that's that's what he does. He's around the plate and he will give up the long ball. the The point is is that he is more aggressive. I think when the when the bases are clear and he gives up a home run with uh, with nobody on, then then so be it. I think he chalks that up as as uh, as not a problem, not a problem at all. It's part of part of his mo. It's the equivalent on the offensive side. The equivalent is Matt Carpenter, who has 12 hits this year, and eight of them are home runs. <laughs> it's like it's freaking ridiculous. I love watching him play. He's su- he's a, <laughs> such a throwback. He, like him and Lemayhu in the same on the same team is just uh, is is very amusing to me. But wa- the fact that he walks up there with no no batting gloves, rubs his dirt on his hands, and then he's got that long, powerful like lumb. It's it's a long swing, but he whips it around quickly. But it looks long longer than most. And he's got a different crack of a bat when he makes good contact off that barrel. He smokes that ball. So um, 
He's it's fun, man. rainmakers. The things go a million feet in the air. They're just like high fly balls, not like, you know, Stanton line drives. Yeah, I I was talking about this with my dad this weekend. It again, Carpenter is a fun it's it, it's a fun narrative so far. It's not a narrative, but it's an I, execution. But like realistically, yeah, you're realistically, uh, you, you're waiting for something. How much to value happen. does he have on this team? A lot, because he's a, well, he's because a, if 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 it, when and if this team needs some depth, right? Like I know he played the outfield, he played an inning in the outfield this weekend. But when when and if this team needs outfield depth, it what? How do you keep Carpenter on the roster? You get rid of Joey Gallo in some way or fashion, and it's happening. Look, I'm convinced it's happening now. The fact that that that. Uh, that we saw Carpenter go out and play an inning in the field. It's just like, mm, can he? Can't he? Oh, he can. Oh, yeah. Bye, Joey. Bye. How many hits does he have in the past 77 at-bats? I saw three, something stupid. I'm like, there is no point in this man anymore. There is no point in this man. If, if Carpenter can go out and play the outfield with a glove, without a glove, it doesn't matter. He could probably catch the ball with his bare hands. And he goes the out there. without a glove? It completely erases any value that Joey Gallo has. Because who can hit home runs better than Joey Gallo? Matt Carpenter can. Who can play the outfield like a human being with a glove? Matt Carpenter can. I don't need you anymore, Joey Gallo. You you provide zero value to this team. No value. You're a, you're a strikeout. You are an out every single time. Please, please, please get out of my face. I cannot... This is the worst brand of baseball. It's the worst brand. I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's the worst brand of baseball, and he does nothing to help this team. Who cares? I, I, what do you need to just, uh, say that caveat for? I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah, because I'm great. just talking like, about I'm sure his he's baseball. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, it's. I'm just talking about his baseball. I got nothing against him personally. I just don't want him on my team. Right. No, that's no one wants him on this team. I don't think you find one person that that's still defending. Jimmy I'm sure Gallo. there's a. And if you uh, are, I'm sure there's a bandwagon account yeah, well, for for uh, Gallo somewhere on Twitter yeah. floating around. I'm, I don't pay attention to to most of Twitter at this point. Um. All right, let's talk about Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> oh boy. If you, in your wildest imagination, like could draw up a worst-case scenario for a return. Like, giving up back-to-back-to-back home runs would have been less bad than walking back-to-back-to-back guys in your return from the IL if you were Aldis Chapman. So, it could have been a closer game. Could have been... There, it could have been something that affected how... Could have been the ninth inning, Could have been, right? the, ninth could have been the ninth inning. Yeah. Could have been the ninth inning. Could have been could have, could have been a number of things that would have... The situation could have made it worse. Let's, I'll just go that way. The situation could have made it worse. So... I don't know. You know, he's working back. We'll see. I'm chalking this up for rust. Okay. Rust. Just rust. He doesn't, he, he, he throws strikes. It's fine. No, he doesn't throw strikes. And that's the biggest problem. So he comes back and, and this is the big problem. Um, we'll see. Judgment's out until he gets a couple more. But I, you can't possibly re- put him in a situation that matters right now. You can't. He's got to now prove that he can do it in a, in a, in a, in a blow up situation, which now is like, it's affecting your roster. So we've talked about this for a couple of weeks, how Boone said when Chapman comes back, he will go back to pitching the ninth inning. He didn't necessarily say he's going to go back to being the closer, but he just said he's going to go back to pitching the ninth inning. I am proud of Boone for not pitching him in his first time back in the ninth inning and trying to get him into a low leverage spot in a blowout game in the, in, in a, what was it, the sixth inning or seventh inning that he came in? I think it was the sixth. So I'm, 
sixth. I'm proud of Boone for that. But it was an absolute disaster. He looked uncomfortable. Okay, first of all, he looks more jacked than ever, doesn't he? Like, he looks, like, thick. Like, not, I'm not calling him fat, not calling him out of shape. He just looks, like, like very wide, very thick. Now, I don't know if that's affecting him at all. But he, like, it, he just didn't look comfortable out there. And, you know, I know he gave a little grimace after the, the last walk. I don't think anything came of that after the game. I read an article on NJ.com. Boone was quoted as saying he's healthy. He just needs to get his psyche right. He needs to get his confidence back. Stella needs to get his groove back, basically, was the takeaway of the article. But I have absolutely no freaking confidence in the guy that he's going to be able to do it. And that's exactly why. You cannot trust someone in any sort of medium to high leverage spot. I don't give a crap if it's the fifth inning, sixth inning, ninth inning, who cannot throw strikes. And he cannot throw strikes consistently anymore. If 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 we can't if we don't see Araldis Chapman get back to form in the sense that he's he's effective and and throwing the ball over the plate, you said it like that's what he has to do. He's got to throw the ball over the plate. But again, remember, remember that he's got no future with this team. There's there's no there's no reason to stay with a guy that has no future. One and. If, if he's proving that he can't do this, again, this is one outing. I'm not making a massive deal of this because at, at a couple points, he did find uh, some success. Uh, and I know that some of it was lucky when you look at the advanced analytics uh, and, and read between the lines and what he is. But he can be a weapon. So they need to figure out if he can be a weapon throughout the season. And if he can't, they're going to cut bait at some point, you know, whether it's in September. Oh, you think so? Or they're just going to, they could, they absolutely could. If he's taking up a roster spot, and he's not, um, and he's not effective, and he can't throw strikes. At some point, they have to say we need effective people in here, and they have enough effective people to to warrant uh, booting a guy that doesn't throw strikes. There's no reason for them to hold on to him they, if you come late in the season and he's not effective and he can't throw the ball. You need pitchers who can who can who can help you win a championship. And if that's not the guy, there's no reason for it. Would be like eight million bucks, right? It doesn't like matter. They've already they, if you if you the majority no, of the I'm year. I'm just saying. I'm, no, I know. I'm just. I know, but like he he makes seventeen or eighteen this year, right? So you're talking about half of that. What's up, Logan? Okay, I have a question. If the Red Sox called on the trade deadline and said we'll take the rest of Chapman's contract for like a player to be named later, no, no not a chance in hell. He can't do it because there's a possibility that he come out and and just like revenge spitefully come out there. I there are people in this in this world possibly one on this podcast that are very, very motivated by spite. I could see Araldus Chapman being one of those people and with the physical tools that he has, no, 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 no. I am not trying to put myself in a situation where all of a sudden we're facing down the barrel of Araldus Chapman who is throwing strikes at 103 miles an hour and shoving against the Yankees in the playoffs wearing a Boston Red Sox uniform. That cannot happen. No. You ship him anywhere else. Uh, but I understand that if you cut, and I'm not talking about cutting him like right now, which allude you're alluding to half of the contract. I'm saying at some point when roster decisions are needed to be made, and they and they need to make sure that people are on this team that will um, that will help them down the stretch and into the playoffs. If he's not one of those guys, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world to me. Scott, do you remember the Seinfeld episode where Jerry is returning like a shirt or a blazer? And then the the person working at the clothing store says, why are you returning it? And Jerry says, for spite. It's probably the thing I relate to most in the world. Yes. Is, is, is that answer. Correct. So no, you absolutely do not trade Araldus Chapman really to any team that you could face in the playoffs. And I know that's like, that's stupid because I always hate in football when 
a team is going, you know, won't trade their their player to an in division opponent or something like that because they're afraid of him butting in the in the ass. But it's like this is a completely different scenario because, like you said, Logan, you'd be basically just giving him up for someone taking on salary. So that that, in my opinion, is not worth it because if if Chapman gets one out against you in an October situation, pitching for the Red Sox or the Astros or something, you cannot live that down can't live that down so no i would not do that um no but i also don't know chance. how you i don't know how you pitched chapman with any confidence so it, it, it was a pretty disastrous return from the il uh last thing i want to talk about from the last four games you think any crazy shenanigans were going on with houston in the pitch com what were they doing what were they feeding into Sevy's pitch com I don't know, but it didn't work. That's that's what uh, you know. I see. I see a bunch of people calling uh, the the Tucker play bush league, and I I don't see it as that. I see it as a guy who's adjusting something, whether it's pitchcom or it's you know whatever he could be adjusting, and maybe not paying attention enough to a point where he's not going to execute a throw. And clearly, he wasn't in that position. He wasn't there with his pants down. He had enough, uh, you know. He had enough wherewithal in that moment to be able to throw a ball and and uh, cut down the runner, but that would have been very bad if it worked. Very bad if it worked. So, do I think that they were in, they were throwing uh, some some disturbance his way? It's possible. Nothing's nothing's out of the uh, out of the question, especially when you have these electronics. I, look, I said that from the beginning. I'm like, this is just begging for someone to cheat somehow, throw some different frequency in there. AI can like probably mimic the exact voice. That you're that they were using, and so if if the other team can can then tap into that voice and use their own AI to then give the the pitcher different different calls, I mean that would be a disaster. Imagine that you're like you're you're hearing the the thing you think it's coming from your catcher, but actually it's coming from the intern in the uh, in the Houston clubhouse. That that could be a disaster. The Yankees use just like a regular robotic like Siri type voice. Um, but I, I know some teams have had other, you know, more custom voices. I don't know if the Yankees have changed that throughout the season. It's just funny that like the first in a while, the first like problem with pitchcom happened in Houston and it was very loud in there. So I don't know, credit to those fans who were super loud or maybe credit to the PA guy who pressed the crowd volume noise all the way, cranked it up to 10. Uh, I don't know exactly. Anytime you got a dome situation, I, I seriously question the crowd noise when it is like deafening like it was on Thursday. So, I mean, you do, you understand the acoustic piece of that, right? The, the dome will account for more noise. If a, if a, if a, if the same crowd were as loud as they are in Yankee stadium or in a dome, I got to believe the dome's going to be louder because of the, 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 you know, the sound has nowhere to go. Sure. No, no, I get it. But, but like, there's just been too many stories over the years in, in other sports as well, where there's just pumped in fake crowd noise, especially in football. Like the the Colts were notorious for pumping in fake crowd noise yeah. when the other team was trying to to get their signals in. It feels like an so, easy lever. That's an that's like what and, and now these teams like with the COVID season they had to pump in crowd noise. So it's like oh that that's a leftover file from 2020. Sorry, forgot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. A couple more things before we get to, I want to compare projected versus actual wars uh, so far for some key players this year. But I was looking on baseball reference this morning and the Yankees have a 24.9% chance to win the World Series. So essentially 25%. That's ahead of the Dodgers at 20.3 and the Astros at 15%. No other team other than those three are above seven. Do you agree with those? I mean, those are seem to be clearly the, the three front runners right now. Yeah, I think the last time we checked this, the Dodgers were the odds on favorite. Ahead of the point. Yankees. Yeah. It, they were ahead of the Yankees. So yeah. that, that has, but that this has was, been that was maybe a month ago. Yeah. And we went through, so the Yankees went through their hard June, ended up 22 and six, and, and here you go. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a brief scare on Friday during the rain delay when I saw Brian Hoke tweet that Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge did a slip and slide on, on the tarp in Cleveland. And he had a video of it. I was, I was legitimately like, half of me was like, oh, these guys are having fun. I love that. Little kids again, that sort of like camaraderie thing. Then I was like, Oh no, someone's going to get hurt. And then obviously it was like clubhouse attendants were wearing the jerseys or something like that. But that, that was a scary moment for a brief second. The first thing I thought of was like, man, Judge really is getting cocky. He really is getting cocky with this whole like I'm betting on myself thing. And the dude's going out there doing slip and slides. Like this is this this has the ending of one of those just terrible, terrible Aaron Boone style stories where you're out, you know, playing pickup basketball or or, uh, you know, sand football, whatever it is, sliding on a tarp during a Cleveland rain out. No. Um, but it's fun. They were clearly in on it. I feel like they were definitely in on it, giving them the, uh, like, you guys go out there, let's let's troll everybody. 
I, I appreciate the trolling. I do, because I think that the Yankees have done this a couple different times uh, throughout this year. This time they were trolling the fans, which I appreciate. Let's, uh, let's, let's just, it's, it's funny. They're, they're trolling us. And I, I, I like that. They know that we will overreact. They were probably all looking at Twitter, like, let's watch what happens. <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, Brian Hoke, I don't know if, who else tweeted it, but maybe was Brian Hoke in on it? Because he let the first video linger for a little while before he clarified that it wasn't actually them. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe he was duped too. I don't know. It was a little blurry too. So, you know, there was, there were a lot of good things. It was, it was like a, uh, you know, a sighting of Bigfoot. You couldn't really tell who it was, but you saw <laughs> enough to, to make out the numbers and you could tell who the guys the the first thing I noticed as they were approaching the tarp and they got a little closer was like, these guys don't look as big as they're supposed to look. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, also the jersey was like way too baggy. Look like Tristan McKenzie in the jersey. <laughs> yeah. Tristan McKenzie wearing CeCe's jersey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's uh let's talk about um how the Yankees, you know, or about halfway through the season, some key players with what their actual war totals are and then per- what they were projected to be at to this point in the season. I used fan graphs, and uh, notably I used the Zips projections for the uh, the projected wars. Uh, not a ton of surprises, believe it or not, for how good the team has been. For example, Judge, having MVP-type season, has produced four wars so far. He was projected to be at 3.5. Uh, DJ is almost spot on, 2.3 actual, 2.0 was projected. Uh, Trevino is one of the biggest differences. He was projected to be at 0.7, and he's been 2.2. He's been one of their most productive position players. Obviously, a lot of that is due to his value as a catcher. But a guy like Glaber, who I think has had a really good season, had a great day on Saturday, has produced 1.6 war, he was projected to be at 1.4. So as solid as the years Glaber has had, like he's kind of in line with his projections. But the projection is a little high, wouldn't you say? After what, I mean, the projection was kind of taking into consideration, I think, what that, what the position change would do and for a bounce back. It, it was almost assuming some things in there that, that have gone correctly. And then he's out, out doing even what people thought he could be on a good year. So I th- that's a little misleading uh, in and I, I got to say, the, I'm surprised when I'm looking at the projected, like there's nobody even at a flat war. Everybody's a, the, the lowest guy on here was Chapman at a 0.2 uh, projected war, whereas everybody else uh, was higher. So pretty optimistic war projection. Well, I'm taking, well, I mean, all of these players that I listed here were major contributors or, stor- or, or starters. You're not going to project a major contributor as just a league average player. No, but they had Joey Gallo at a 1.4. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's been the biggest underperformer. Sussex. Gallo's been the biggest underperformer, obviously. Gallo's at minus 0.2. He's really the only one on this list other than Loisica, who's also minus 0.2, who uh, is negative war. Obviously, Loisica and Chapman are... Oh, Chapman's also negative war. Those two disappointments in the bullpen, partially due to injuries, have been offset by Clay Holmes and Michael King being standouts. So they've gotten any losses from Chapman and Loisica actually more than made up for with Holmes and King. Yeah, definitely. I, there's no one pro- projected Holmes, obviously, to be as much. Uh, they had him at a 0.4, and he's coming at a 1.3. King is even ahead of him a one, at a 1.4. So um, you could look at both of those guys and in isolated situations and actually make the argument that King has been more impressive due to what he was expected to be 
uh, over over Holmes. You could make that argument, I think. You could, and King has slightly more war because he, especially in the first month of the season, was pitching more innings, a lot more innings, right. and longer, longer, longer outings. Um, on the position player side, the the biggest underperformers are IKF, Donaldson, and obviously Gallo. Donaldson's another one who hasn't been terrible, 0.9 war, but he was projected to be at 1.5 halfway through the season. Yeah, and I'd say lately he's been he's he, I mean he look he's been he's been damn worth it defensively. The guys uh, when he's out there playing playing third, and even when uh, Lemay was out there, their third base has definitely been improved, even from uh, what what Gio was doing at third. Like they've improved defensively. They've improved even at the shortstop. This was another situation where I'm looking at IKF making fantastic plays. That play he made at short in the hole towards third was was yeah. a, a top play. It was diving. it was a it was an all, I mean the the transition from from diving to get on his feet to make the throw was insanely fast. He's got all the skills he needs. But then he go he you know fields a ball up the middle and throws a uh, throws it into the ground. Normally Rizzo scoops it, uh doesn't get it, but you know it's little things like that. That's that's where the disconnect is. He's he's missing the plays that he should make, those easier plays. But then he's got the skill yeah. level and he's got the instincts to make these fantastic plays out there. So I still think the best to come uh, is uh, the the best is still to come with him at shortstop. We have to remember also, and I I know I sound like an IKF defender here, and I kind of am because I like the way that he plays and I like the way that he fits onto this team. But he hasn't played a ton at shortstop at the pro level. You know, the Gold Glove came at third. He was a catcher for an entire year. Uh, uh, at, uh, with Texas, he's got that under his belt. He doesn't have a ton of shortstop time. So I think as we're seeing more reps, that talent is going to shine and I think he's going to clean up more of the thing. So I think it's still, uh, we're still waiting to see the best from him. What do you think their best defensive alignment is in the infield, in the outfield, taking into account the DH spot? I was thinking about this the other day. That's a tough one because, because Glaber has played a much better second base, he's making that that case a little bit more difficult to for for Lemayhu, but I, I still think it's Lemayhu at second, um, Donaldson at third, IKF at short, Rizzo at first, and then you would DH Glaber in like if we're starting a playoff series tomorrow, right? You have you got to have Glaber in the lineup, so you DH Glaber. I think for starting it because Glaber's been the starting second baseman all year for 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 that purpose, I would probably put him out there um, and possibly. Uh, yeah, I would. I would probably DH either. Uh, I would probably DH Donaldson and start uh, Lemayu at third potentially. I could see that, but I would keep Glaber at second base. I, I think he's he's earned that that right in that position. And I think that does matter with him a bit more than than some other players. The added benefit you have of having DJ start at third and not DH is that he can then slide over to another defensive position without losing the DH. If you had to do that late in the game, yes, um, that's so true. I, agree. I think I agree with you there. Yeah, and, and I think and obviously, and I think we're still going to wait to see what happens in the outfield uh, because the, here's the problem: if unless Stanton's playing in right field, then he's in the DH spot. So someone's going to have to sit, especially well, if they upgrade the Stanton outfield. If they up, play. well, if they upgrade the outfield at the at the at the deadline, they're going to be in that position where. Either Glaber or Lemayhu, you're, you're looking at one of the or Donaldson is going to have to sit because if 
you know, they're not going to play Stanton in right field every single every single day. Um, so I, I don't see them sitting Stanton uh, and not putting him in the lineup. Um, he's going to be out there. So one of those guys, something's got to give. If they upgrade it and they go and they, you know, let's say they get a center fielder or a left fielder or whatever they do, another outfielder that has a bat and, and will project as a more everyday guy, um, then they're going to be in that, that, that situation where someone's going to have to sit. To wrap up the war discussion, in the rotation, everybody has outperformed except Garrett Cole. He's the only one who has underperformed. And obviously, Nestor Cortez has probably been the biggest outperformer. And Cole walked in. I mean, it projected war of a 2-5. When we say he's underperforming, I mean, he's still performing at a high level with a 1-7 war. But but yes, he's he's under his projection. And the reason why this season is going as well as it is is because those guys are there are, you know, at well outperforming their their projections as a, as a valuable player. I r- real quick, right, I think Trevino Yankees are going to Pittsburgh. Just yeah. real quick, the Trevino um, numbers. Uh, you know, I don't know how much, and maybe maybe you can uh, shed some light on this if you guys know a little bit more. But uh, the the two point two actual WAR for him is that it feels like it, it it like the value is even higher than that. It doesn't tell the full story because I don't know how much it considers the. Um, it can't really consider how he calls a game. You know, I don't know how much of some of, I know some of the framing will go into defensive metrics and, and you have uh war there, but there's, there's so many intangibles with him, the way he controls the staff, the way that he's got the, um, you know, the, the framing down and the confidence that he has that I think it's, it's even higher than it is. Like that's a, that's a great number, but it's, it doesn't even feel as high uh, of a value as he's actually been a contributor with this team. Yeah. I mean, that's why you, war or any number is not the end-all be-all because there's context to everything and how a player fits on the roster and interacts with, in his case, handles the pitchers and and the value he might add before a game going through plans and all that kind of stuff. Like, of course, that that can't be factored into a, a number like war. No, but when you're, I mean, even the defensive stuff here, you are, you're putting it in there and, and it's capturing Defense, part yeah. of this. It's capturing it, no doubt about it. But just overall, this guy has brought so much. Like it's a great, it's a great number to what he has right now. A great number. And it's not even telling the full story of what he is. That's how great he's been this year. Yeah, Logan. So I have written down from the beginning of the season that Kyle Hagafioka and Ben Wojtvet, because they were going to split time at catcher, had a projected F for the entire season of 2.8. <laughs> so Trevino at 2.2, that's, you know, getting both of their productions that they were projecting for the whole season for in half. Crazy. Yeah, there, there's a legitimate argument that that he has been like the second most valuable position player th- in the first half of the year, Trevino. Yeah, I mean, just to get a little nut to get a little nutty, y- you could you could make an argument that's not completely crazy about value. And I'm not talking about MVP race. I'm talking about like pure value to a team fully that he he could be the most valuable. And I know Aaron Judge obviously is having the year that he is, but you could because he's affecting both sides in a very clear and massively positive way. You could make the argument. Because of the you intangibles. Could. Because you of the intangibles. The well, because of all the things you just mentioned. The, the, the stats don't capture everything. The fact that this guy has come in off the street from the day before the season started and done the things that he's done and controlled the situ- the, the catching situation and and the results from uh, the pitching side 
a lot of that could be contributed to what he has brought as far as stability behind the plate into the position. It's it's immeasurable, the things that he's brought. There are, are a lot of intangible eye test things that will not go into uh, a stat discussion about MVP. Judge would win that hands down, no doubt. But when you talk about the whole picture, you could make an argument he's up there. All right, note to Ilya, who's going to be listening to this. I, w- I would like a graphic with Scott's <laughs> face that says, hot take, Jose Trevino, more valuable than Aaron Judge. Don't even put stats on. Don't even put stats on on the page and just say eye test. <laughs> I test Jose Trevino better than Aaron Judge and just like pick a really douchey looking facial expression from Scott for the for the image. Won't take much, and then, Won't and then take that'll much. be good. <laughs> All right, let's talk about briefly talk about the Pittsburgh series, and we're going to do it by looking on WinBet which is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. They bring the excitement of the win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play from boosted same game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. Win but win bet, not win but win bet has what you need. Sign up today and receive special offer bet $50 and win 200 with code X blue wire. Weird two game set in Pittsburgh. Um, cool stadium. Never been. Would like to go. It's really uh, my my opinion on the Pittsburgh Pirates is just cool stadium. But Tyon's making his lots, his lots of good home. pitching that goes to other teams. <laughs> That's true. Yes, a lot of good pitching. Uh, po- bad bad decisions to trade for Chris Archer. That's another one. The, that's another horrific, staple of horrific the decision. Yeah, that that trade. You looking back at that trade, it's obnoxiously bad. <laughs> Got to be top 10 worst trades in MLB history, <laughs> right? It's, uh, it, it's, I think injuries have skewed it a bit, but um, it's, it's not good. It's bad. <laughs> uh, Tyon is going to be, is going to be returning home and the Yankees are facing Jose Quintana, which, um, you know, he's been kicking around the league. The Yankees do have some good numbers off of Quintana. Donaldson is six for 14 with a double and a homer. Judges one for three, only three played appear or three at bats. Rizzo, three for 12, and Gallo, two for seven. Wow, he's got two, and only one of them is a home run from Joey Gallo. Just throwing curveballs here, Logan, with these projections. Hicks, not so great, is is two for 13. So, I mean, Joey Gallo's a lock for a home run uh, in this game, right? Isn't this isn't this what we're looking at? If he doesn't, if he doesn't perform against Jose Quintana in this, which he's clearly got the best numbers of any pitcher he's ever faced, then... You know, I don't know what's happening. Like, you just just leave him in Pittsburgh. Just just leave him in Pittsburgh. An underrated city, from all I hear. Uh, like you mentioned, beautiful stadium, underrated city potentially. But just leave him there. He could do well. You know, he could do well out there. I, I like this game, um, Jose Quintana, against the the you know powerful right-handed lineup of the New York Yankees. I have a feeling it's going to be a problem. Uh, so I, I I like uh, I like this game, and I like the Yankees putting up a stack against them. Do you like Tyon going back to Pittsburgh? You buying into that narrative? Yeah, why not? I think anything anything that can add a little bit of uh, extra motivation is a good thing for a player, like uh, especially one that's holding the ball and, and theoretically controlling the game. So, you know, I, I don't think that Pittsburgh is at fault by any means in 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 him. Like, I don't think he's got. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I haven't really heard what he's thinking, but I, I imagine he doesn't have any ill will towards Pittsburgh. Yeah, there are a lot of things that happened uh, to him, including. You know, getting diagnosed and fighting, uh, fighting off cancer—like unbelievable situation with this guy. 
Um, so he's he's definitely he overcame a lot of of things. So I, you know maybe this is more of a, an emotional, um, you know, uh, homecoming for him getting back there. So this is a I, I do think there's probably a little extra motivation though for him, and I think that's a good thing. And last but not least, we do have some roster and injury news. So the the killer B era is I guess officially over. Banuelos was traded to the Pirates for cash considerations. Marinaccio is placed on the IL with dead arm. And he'll be shut down for a few days before resuming catch. Loaiziga threw a 21-pitch live batting practice session. And Herman also had, uh, made a, uh, a rehab start. So, uh, Marinaccio, that, him being shut down, that's going to be a little bit of a, a loss. He's been really solid in the bullpen. He's been very good. I, I think that's, you know, a guys like him. That This is, this is where I think it's going to get interesting at the end of the year. If you have, if you have a... A decision to be made with a roster that it, that needs arms in the bullpen, and you're making a uh, potential decision with a guy like Ron Marinaccio, who's been fantastic this year and has earned the trust of Aaron Boone, and then a guy like and uh, like Aroldis Chapman. If he's not going well, if he's not throwing the ball over the plate, that's a decision, is it not? It's not an assumption that you you choose one guy over the other right there. It, it shouldn't be, at least not with this caliber of team, not with the expectations of this team. It would be a hell of a decision if they if they do that. I mean, that's it's just a name though. Look at the numbers, and it's actually not that not that close. Well, duh. But you know that's not how it works. Like you don't just look at the numbers. You look at the names, and you look at the salaries, and you look at everything. You don't look at salaries at that point. You don't look at names at that point. You look to see who the hell's going to f- affect your team in a positive way and contribute to what you're doing in the playoffs because you have the ability to win a championship. None of the other things should be considered. None of them. All right, that's going to wrap it up. I, to be honest, I hope that the tech issues have not been too unbearable to listen to. I hope they haven't. I think the first 45 minutes or so of the show w- was probably clean. Maybe the last couple of minutes are tough. Either way, I hope everyone has been enjoying their 4th of July. We're going to be recording again this week. We're going to be doing our midseason general manager episode where we each come up with some plans uh, approaching the trade deadline, which is about a month away. Looking forward to that. And uh, we'll talk to you again also after the Pittsburgh series. Enjoy the holiday, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.